This is a BBP News election update. California residents went to the primaries this week and cast their vote. And for the governor's race, we have the current governor, Democrat Gavin Newsom. He made it through the primaries. He will be going up against Republican challenger Brian Dolly. For representatives in District 9, we have Democrat Josh Harder going up against Republican Tom Patty. In District 14, we have Democrat Eric Swalwell going up against Republican Allison Hayden. And in District 22, we have Rudy Salas going through. And on the Republican side, David Valadao is currently in the lead. And in District 37, we have Democrat Sidney Kamlager going up against Republican Jan Perry. In District 40, we have Democrat Asif Mahmood making it through and going up against Republican Young Kim. And finally, in District 47, Democrat Katie Porter will be going up against Republican Scott Baugh. And in the Senate, current Senator Alex Padilla made it through as a Democratic candidate, and he will be going up against Republican Mark Muser. And in the state of Iowa... Current Governor Kim Reynolds, Republican, made it through the primaries and will be facing Democrat Deidre Dejir this November. For representatives, there are none to speak of here, but in the Senate, Chuck Grassley, current senator and a Republican, will be going up against Democrat Michael Franken. In South Dakota, the Governor Kristi Noem, a Republican, will be going up against Democrat Jamie Smith this November. And for representatives, there are none to speak of. And in the Senate, John Thune, a Republican, made it through the primaries and will be going up against Democrat Brian Bangs. In Mississippi, the governor is not up for re-election. There are no representatives to speak of, no key races there. And in the Senate, no senators are up for election this year. The same goes for Montana. The governor is not up for election, there are no key races in the House to speak of, and no senators are up for election. In New Jersey, the governor is not up for re-election this year, but for representatives in District 8, Democrat Robert Menendez will be going up against Republican Marcus Arroyo. And then in the Senate, there are no races to speak of. Neither senator is up for re-election. And then finally, in New Mexico, for the governor's race, we have current Governor Michelle Grisham, Democrat, made it through the primaries, and going up against Republican Mark Ronchetti. And for representatives, there are no key races to speak of, and there are no senators up for election this year in the state of New Mexico. This has been a BBP News election update. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of BBP News. I am Chris Baker. Nick is not with us for this Friday morning, but he will be back Sunday morning with a what to expect for the week of June 12th. Starting off with the weather, as always, in Los Angeles, California, it is sunny 85 with a sunny weekend. In Houston, Texas, it is partly cloudy 99 with a partly cloudy weekend. And in Chicago, Illinois, there are scattered thunderstorms today with a high of 77 degrees, with a cloudy weekend. And in New York City, it is mostly sunny, 82 with a cloudy weekend. Last night, the January 6th committee held the first primetime hearings, opening slowly with opening arguments from Chairman Representative Thompson and Vice Chair Liz Cheney. Then was a 12-minute video that was made up of audio and visuals that we have not seen before. 
and not just showing the shocking violence of the crowd, but also the timing of the day's events. The goal was to remind Americans how obscene that day was, and we can't play the full 12 minutes, but we can play bits and pieces. At the center of the chaos that day, according to the January 6th committee, was then-President Trump's opportunity and attempt to make a coup. The committee made the case last night that it was not a spontaneous event. They received audio footage that the Proud Boys went to the Capitol before President Trump's rally to see where the Capitol Police security was short and they could make their move into the Capitol. The January 6th committee laid out their findings for the first time for the public in a rare primetime hearing, and some of the Capitol Police officers who defended Congress was present and watching at times were emotional. At that point, I had blacked out, but my um, back of my head clipped the concrete stairs behind me. One officer that testified last night was Caroline Edwards, described that day as a war zone. You know, they were bleeding, they were throwing up, they were, you know, they had, uh, I mean, I saw friends with blood all over their faces. I was slipping in people's blood. Donald Trump, the president of the United States, spurred a mob of domestic enemies of the Constitution to march down the Capitol and subvert American democracy. The committee waited little to no time to blame the mob on Trump of an attempted coup. President Trump summoned the mob, assembled the mob, and lit the flame of this attack. The committee made the case that Trump endorsed the hanging of his own vice president when he said he would not overturn the election. And aware of the rioters' chance to hang Mike Pence, the president responded with this sentiment, quote, maybe our supporters have the right idea. Earlier the same day, Trump's Education Secretary Betsy DeVos publicly acknowledged for the first time that she considered the use of the 25th Amendment. The President Donald Trump was too dangerous to be left alone. The committee said its series of committee meetings will show that President Trump knew and knowingly lied about the election. In a deposition, William Barr said he told Trump it was, quote, bullshit. In new video from Ivanka Trump, how did that affect your perspective about the election when Attorney General Barr made that statement? It affected my perspective. Um, I respect Attorney General Barr. Um, so I accepted what he said. Since the Capitol attack, over 800 people have been charged and or arrested, one of them being a Michigan Republican candidate arrested this week. The second hearing is Monday. The committee said they will show how Trump knew and his team knew the election was not stolen. The committee also announced they will release all transcripts by the end of the year. 
if you make more than $50,000 a year, you have a likely chance of being audited by the IRS. This is according to the IRS that says the agency is auditing tax returns more aggressively than it has in the past decade. And just because you haven't seen an audit yet doesn't mean one isn't coming. By law, the IRS has up to three years to audit your tax returns after it is filed. So in 2019, returns that were filed in 2020, they will be eligible to be audited until the year 2023. The IRS had slowed down audits mostly because Congress slashing their budget because they did not have the manpower from their budget being slashed and lack of employees. They haven't been able to audit the very wealthy because their returns generally are very complicated and time-consuming to investigate. And according to a new report, as of May 2022, audits increased for all income brackets over $50,000 a year and quadrupled for those making more than $10 million a year. The number of audits are still generally low compared to the volume of returns the IRS processes every year. So far for the year 2019, only 0.2% are audited between $50,000 a year and $500,000 a year. The IRS says resources limitations have prevented them from regaining audit rates that we saw back in 2010 for all taxpayers. Homeland Security issued a bulletin for terrorism, but this bulletin is not of a warning of a potential threat coming from overseas. It's a potential threat coming from right here in the United States. The department warned there is a heightened threat in the United States for violence and will likely keep heating up through November, including what the Department of Health is calling personal grievances, reactions to current events and adherence to violent extremist ideologies, including racially or ethnically motivated or anti-government, anti-authoritarian, violent extremists, end quote. Some of those events include the upcoming Supreme Court abortion case in the midterm elections. What is worse is the bulletin warns foreign adversaries will use the division that already exists in our country and exploit through misinformation to promote or inspire violence. Homeland Security mainly issues these bulletins to make sure you know what is going on and hopes you can keep that in the back of your mind in case you see something that seems a little off or fishy. They issue these bulletins to also let us know what they are working on and what is possible because of the current state of affairs in the United States. The Department of Homeland Security wants us to all know that they are on it and the FBI is monitoring things and the infrastructure security team is working to keep networks safe. There is also grant money for state and local governments as well as nonprofits to make their security more safe. This is the sixth bulletin that the Department of Homeland Security has released since January 2021. Gun legislation has been a hot topic in D.C. this week, and not just on Capitol Hill. It has also been a hot topic among lawmakers in the White House. In the White House briefing room, in a 20-minute passionate speech, Oscar-winning Uvalde native Matthew McConaughey talked about packing up his family and kids and going back to Uvalde after the school shooting at Robb Elementary. He got choked up when he talked about the several victims that died at Robb Elementary and the heartbreak in his community. He met with the president and lawmakers from both sides of the aisle and demanded something be done about school safety and gun legislation. We need background checks. 
We need to raise the minimum age to purchase an AR-15 rifle to 21. We need a waiting period for those rifles. We need red flag laws and consequences for those who abuse them. These are reasonable, practical, tactical regulations to our nation, states, communities, schools, and homes. Responsible gun owners are fed up with the Second Amendment being abused and hijacked by some deranged individuals. These regulations are not a step back. They're a step forward for civil society and, and the Second Amendment. There is a potential deal in the Senate, and at this point, it is bipartisan and has the highest chance of passing both chambers. There are several things that are currently on the table, like incentivizing states to implement red flag laws, red flag laws themselves, school safety legislation, mental health care investments, waiting periods to buy semi-automatic weapons for those 18 to 20 years old. But there are also several things off the table, raising the age to buy an AR-15 to 21, ban on some type of assault rifles, restrictions on gun magazines, and universal background checks. Of course, we are still in the debate stage on all of these topics, so things could change once or even several times. The other thing that is an issue is how much the implementation will cost, and those costs need to be offset by cutting costs somewhere else. Some leadership had hoped they would be able to get a deal done before the end of the week, but as it stands right now, that will not happen. But talks seem to be going well, so the president and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer don't want to disrupt things and do not want to push them to get something done immediately for the sake of time. The House passed sweeping gun legislation Wednesday night that federally raises the age of buying a semi-automatic weapon and bans the sale of large capacity magazines, among many other things. There are virtually 0% chance of this package passing the Senate. Lawmakers do these types of bills to publicly show who is for and against a piece of legislation. Overall, the bill passed the House of a vote of 223 to 204, with five Republicans voting yes and two Democrats voting no, and one House member did not vote. What was included in the bill was raising the age to purchase a semi-automatic to 21, add federal offense to gun trafficking, ban untrackable ghost guns, create incentives for safe gun ammunition stored at home, ban bump stock attachments, and ban sales of large capacity magazines. Require the Department of Justice to report on who denied gun sale because failed to pass a background check. The House also passed a bill on Thursday on creating federal red flag laws. And just like the bill I just told you about, has no chance to pass the Senate. The Department of Justice just announced this week they will be launching an investigation on what happened at the mass shooting at Robb Elementary in Uvalde, Texas. Attorney General Merrick Garland introduced his newly assembled team on several former police chiefs, experts in victim response and experts in media response to conduct what is called a critical incident review. It is important to note that This is not a criminal investigation. This is an after-action assessment policy training and communication and incident command. As they relate to preparing to and responding to new active shooter, as well as past 
shooting response. Essentially, this will be an official independent account of law enforcement actions in response to the shooting. The Attorney General Merrick Garland says he is not concerned about getting the truth or cooperation from Texas law enforcement, saying the Department of Justice is reviewing this incident at the Uvalde mayor's request and has been promised a sure welcome at every level of law enforcement of what happened. The Department of Justice will be on the ground when necessary. In the end, we will see a final report from the Department of Justice and their recommendations. Getting into rapid news, President Biden appeared on Jimmy Kimmel Live Wednesday night. This was his first in-person late-night TV appearance since taking office, and federal agents raided the family home of a California man accused of planning to murder Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. More on Medium about that. Getting into good news, I know Nick usually does the good news, but you know what? I found a good news story. And I hope Nick will forgive me for taking his place in delivering a good news story. So an extremely small study is giving patients around the world a ton of hope. So far, 18 cancer patients have had their rectal cancer completely disappear without chemo or radiation. The tumor simply went away through a new experimental treatment at New York's Memorial Sloan Cancer Center. Patients took a drug called Dusnormab for six months. The trial resulted in every single one of their tumors disappearing. Obviously, there is much more studies that need to be done, but scientists say these kinds of results have never been seen in the history of cancer research. And you know what? This, This might be the future of cancer treatment. You know, chemo and radiation can be very difficult on patients. It's can be quite tolling, quite painful. You know, a lot of people, when they're diagnosed with cancer, they're obviously frightened that they have cancer, but also the thought of chemo is also very scary. And now that there's this drug that you take for six months and your tumor disappears, it's just, you know, it's awesome. And it's hopefully could be the future of cancer treatment. And, you know, Obviously, like I said, a lot more studies, a lot more research still needs to be done. But, you know, down the line with this drug, if it continues to be impressive, incredible, it could be the cancer treatment that causes no more, you know, you're diagnosed with cancer. This could be the new treatment of cancer. So it's just a really good news story. And it's a lot of hope for millions of people around the world. That is the end of this Friday morning news episode. We will be back here Sunday morning for what to expect for the week of June 12th. But until then, have a great start to your weekend, everybody.